It's a privilege to be able to share with you once again. In 1906, a one-eyed sharecropper named William Seymour was leading Bible studies in Texas, where he discovered then the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This led him on a journey to Los Angeles, where he began preaching at a small church in Azusa Street. What happened next was remarkable. The Holy Spirit descended in power on the humble gathering, started very small. People from all oops, people from all races and backgrounds flocked to what was now known as the Azusa Street Revival. There they experienced a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit. Life was radically changed. Spiritual gifts were manifest there. The services ran nearly nonstop for three hours. And William Seymour was often seen himself kneeling in prayer and calling on God in deep humility. He didn't really ask for prominence, never really asked for any type of leadership, but he led that movement that made waves across America and beyond. Azusa Street stands today as a testament what God can do when believers are deeply open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Seymour once said, We are measuring everything by the word of God. Every experience must measure up with the Bible. If it does not, we are not going to accept it. His example reminds us that encountering the Holy Spirit brings fruitfulness, the gifts of the Spirit, and power for harvest when anchored in God's Word. And my friends, I want to encourage you today, we serve that same God. We have partake of that same Holy Spirit. And since He did it, for this group, he can definitely do it for us. So I want to encourage us this morning to pray for a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit's invigorating presence. The world desperately is in need of what the river of God's Spirit can do. I am desperately in need for what the river of God's Spirit can do. <clears throat> now picture this. We have the prophet Ezekiel in the ancient land of Babylon, standing on the banks of this mysterious river. The river doesn't flow like anything else. It's the river of life, a river of healing, a river of transformation. And as Ezekiel watches, these waters begin to rise and flow and deepen and grow more powerful as it progresses. Gives us a tremendous example a tremendous understanding of what the river of God's Holy Spirit can do. So today we're going to journey alongside Ezekiel and look at this river of God together, exploring this vision and discovering the relevance for us here today because it is very relevant. Because this river Ezekiel witnessed is not just a vision that he wrote down. It's a symbol, a representation of the Holy Spirit flowing through the New Testament church into the last days through us and into the millennium. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
According to this, the Holy Spirit is not optional. It's not an optional accessory to our faith. It's the very essence of our connection to Christ. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to explore this divine connection. And if you haven't guessed by now, we're going to be looking at Ezekiel 47, where we talk about the vision that Ezekiel got of this river. This, Holy, this vision of this river that represents the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, the flow of His Holy Spirit. There are other tie-ins we could make about millennial dispensations and all that, but what I want to dial in today is diving in, harnessing, unleashing the power of the Holy Spirit even in our own lives. Because it's essential to our connection with Christ, the Holy Spirit. So our purpose today is to encourage us into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit so we can fully experience the life-changing power of God every day in our lives, an active role daily. So let's read verses 1 and 2 of Ezekiel chapter 47. First of all, verse 1. Afterwards, he brought me again into the door of the house, the tabernacle. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, for the forefront of the house stood toward the, title, the east. The waters came down from under for the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. So where does this river start? <clears throat> starts at the door of the tabernacle. At the door. Christ, John 10.9 tells us that Jesus Christ is the door, right? He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The water flowed down from the temple into the court beyond the temple and then out into the land. So it started at the door in the temple. So from Christ, the door flows this river of living water. Revelation 22.1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal, proceeding where? Out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So the river of living, living water flows out from the door, from Christ, from the Lamb. Verse 2. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate. By the way he looked eastward and behold there ran out waters on the right side. It comes out under the door, thinking of humility. You have to be brought low. Be brought low. The water flowed under the threshold. It is the meek, the lowly, the humble, who will see the water of the Holy Spirit begin to flow in their lives. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. I am meek and lowly. We know Psalms tells us, 37.11, the meek shall inherit the earth. It starts with our, our encounter with the Holy Spirit, with this connection to Christ. It starts through a meek and lowly spirit, through humility, going under the door. We see, 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 we see also, it starts as a trickle, something very small, small enough to go under a door, right? This is akin, to, and we know this because a thousand cubits later, it's still only at ankle depth, which we're going to see in just a minute. So it starts off just a little trickle, a little stream. This is akin to 
days of small beginnings. Starting small. Not despising small things. The Colorado River, which we know here in Colorado, starts up high in the Rocky Mountains. And at its starting point, it's just a very small stream, barely more than a trickle. And as it winds its way through the rugged terrain of the mountains, it grows and progresses and strengthens and flows through the Grand Canyon. It is what created the Grand Canyon, actually, the, the carving of the water over the rock. And into the southwestern states. As it gains momentum, it gains volume. It gains strength. And it serves as a life source for many communities in that area. Supports agriculture, provides drinking water, even provides hydroelectric, hydroelectric power. We even go kayaking in it. <laughs> but it starts as just a little trickle. And think of where it ends up. So that life-giving flow, that life-giving connection, it starts, starts small. Think about when you first were baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. You probably only knew one word, maybe two, maybe a phrase, just something small. But it grows. So the takeaways from this little section, the beginnings of the river, remember, recognize the Holy Spirit flows through Christ. Humility is the key. And these waters begin to flow through the meek, through the lowly of heart. And as it progresses, it grows and grows and it strengthens. Begins small, but if we stay in the river, it grows. Let's look at verse 3. When the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. The waters were at the ankles. So ankles can refer to our walk. Try walking without your ankle. Try walking with a sprain or broken or affected ankle. And in Acts chapter 3, we won't read it, verses 7 through 8, when they healed the man, rise and walk. Silver and gold have I none, but rise and walk in Jesus' name. What happened? It lists out immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. Like they could see his feet reform almost, and he starts to walk. Speaks of our walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Just as the water reaches the ankles, it represents the initial stage of our spiritual growth. Similar to children from 1 John, where he says you have little children, young men and fathers. We're taking that initial step. We're wading out a little bit, but that's not where it stops. And that's not where we're supposed to stop either. Verse 4, per, first part of verse 4. He measured another thousand cubits and brought me through the waters, who were now at the, which were now at the knees. For me, water refers to prayer life, being on our knees, praying before the Lord. The moving of the Holy Spirit strengthens and encourages and deepens our prayer life. Just last week in our prayer meeting, Pastor Daniel asked that we set aside just to pray in the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues for a specific guidance, for a specific thing. And the Lord spoke, which is great. But it was on our knees figuratively and sometimes literally praying to the Lord. My, my knees are wrecked. All the years of football, I can't quite kneel like I used to, but um, 
figuratively on our knees, praying and seeking his face. Progressing. When the water reaches your knees, it symbolizes a deeper level of spiritual growth. Just like these. But that's not again where it stops. The second part of verse 4 is, he measures another thousand cubits, and it's gone from the knees, and now it's up to the waist, the loins, if you will. What do loins signify? Well, your core is your strength. When you have a hurt back, when you have a hurt knee, when you have a hurt shoulder, what do they tell you to do? Strengthen your core. Strengthen your abs. Strengthen your back. Strengthen your lats. so Because everything gets held into place, held tight. That's where our strength comes from. Job 40, verse 16 confirms it. He says, Lo, his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. The strong, strong, strong loins of strength. Gird up the loins of strength. You've ever see a any athlete, any athlete, any real athlete anyway, not like a bowler or something. But sorry, I didn't mean that. I, I totally forgot you're a bowler. <laughs> a professional athletic endeavor like like a boxer or even a even baseball, basketball, football. Those guys have and ladies and men have tremendous core strength. They might not all have a six-pack like you know the wide receivers doing stuff, but they have tremendous core strength. Able to deadlift seven, eight hundred pounds for multiple reps. And that all comes from your core strength. Because you need your core to, to move, to stabilize yourself, to, to advance if you're an offensive lineman or advance if you're a defensive lineman. Without a strong core, you're going to fold like a sack of potatoes. Right. Sorry, Les, I totally forgot you. There he goes. I'm done. <laughs> this speaks of a deepening work in the Holy Spirit to make us strong in the Lord, make us victorious in spiritual warfare. Because we're not just to be passive. We're to do warfare. Not out on the street. We're not going to take our Bible and a sword and, and go whack people, but we're spiritual warriors. Put on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Verses 11 through 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Not of men, but of flesh and blood, but against the powers and the rulers of darkness in the world. So take on the full armor. Be strong. As the water is deep, verse 4, and reaches our knees and into our loins, it signifies the further spiritual maturity. From our ankles, our walk, little children, now we're strong. What is that from 1 John? Young men, you're strong. You overcome the wicked one. You've got some scars. You've been through some battles. The more we mature, the more we progress, the more battles we have to undertake, don't we? It just—it happens naturally. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to progress. He wants you to stop. And the Lord reveals different things to us where we engage the enemy in a different way. He says, I want you to pray for that thing to go away or this thing to happen. He, as he leads us through our prayer life into those deeper levels, brings on spiritual battles. And in order to win spiritual battles, we have to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. 
And this water flowing through, not just at the ankles, not at the knees, now at the loins, signifying our strength. And where does that strength come from? That life-giving water, which is the outpouring and the flow of the Holy Spirit, which comes from the door, which comes from Jesus Christ. That's our connection with Him. We can't win without that, without that connection, without the strengthened loins that the Holy Spirit gives us. Now we have verse 5. Afterward, he measured another thousand. And this was a river that I could not pass over. For there were risen waters to swim in a river that could not be passed over. You could not cross it, walk it. You had to flow out and let it go and swim. Anytime if you've ever gone to the beach here or anywhere, you try to go out as far as you can on your tippy toes in the, in the sand just to see if you can, how long you can keep your head above your... And then all of a sudden, there's a drop. And there's no more room for your feet. <laughs> and you either, either what? You sink <laughs> or you swim or you turn around and go back. But it's lack of control. I want to hold on to the bottom of the sand as long as I can. I need full control of being able to walk. But you get to a point where you can no longer control it. The water is going to take you away. I had an experience of this once when I was in uh, Africa. <clears throat> I was in Ghana, West Africa back in 2006. And we went to a beach uh, for a little bit of a downtime. I was there for like two months. So. And we were in the whatever ocean that is, Atlantic Ocean on the beach in Accra, Ghana. And unlike the United States, they don't put like riptide warnings on the beaches or anything. And so the water was waist high for a long time. And I was just walking and having fun and enjoying. And then all of a sudden I hit a shelf and it was off. And the tide was coming out. And I was going further and further and further away from shore. And I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> and I, fortunately, I knew, know how to swim pretty well and knew that you swim perpendicular to shore so you can go in. But even then, I got to where I could touch the bottom. And the tide was so strong, it was pulling me out further and further. Super scary. And I was like, Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> you didn't bring me all the way to Ghana to kill me, did you? <laughs> so, but thank the Lord, you know, I experienced that. The, the water takes over. And you have no control. And that's, in that instance, a bad thing. But in, the, in the, the analogy of the Holy Spirit, the flowing power of the Holy Spirit, it's a very good thing. We're being led by the water, led by the river. We are taken where it leads us, where he leads us. That's analogous to Roman 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And that son is mature sons of God, grown adults. These aren't little children. These aren't young men. These are the fathers who are led by the Spirit, go where the river takes them. When we're swimming, our body is completely covered and only the head can be seen. And that's because only, we only see the head, which is Christ leading us down the river. The river becomes too deep to stand in. It requires you to let go. You can't, you can't fight it anymore. What do they, they used to say? Let go and let God. 
lead you, right? This is a high level of maturity to be able to just say, okay, God, whatever. I'm going to go. These are the fathers, mothers, spiritually, who have won their battles, who are fighting, who are victorious, but now they know the Father in a deeper way. It says they've known Him who is from the beginning. They know His character. They know His nature. They know His ways. They know what He wants. They know what He doesn't want. And they know when He speaks. And they know to be obedient when He speaks. You just say, okay, we go. They're, these people are immersed in the Holy Spirit. And when, I remember asking Pastor Bailey one time, and I think I've shared this before. We were having a class on prayer and Pastor Wallace was encouraging us to dedicate a certain amount of time every day to prayer. And so I was always curious and probably a little too bold. I said, Pastor Bailey, how long is your prayer time every morning? He says, I don't have a prayer time. I go, really? He goes, no, I just hear from God all day. I said, oh, okay. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) I just hear from God all day. And that's literally just being guided. Yep, do this. No, don't do this. And in his position, that's what you have to have. You want someone like that as your leader. Lord, what do I do? Where do I go? Oh, okay. Let's do that. But that's a high level of maturity, and there's no resistance either. You're just saying, let go. And the water takes you where it takes you. They're led by him. So some takeaways here. Allow us, the Lord, to always take us deeper, to progress more. We can stay in it with the ankles. You could have stayed there because you have total control. If the water's at your ankles, you might feel a little slip if you hit a rock, but you can walk in, you can walk out. Even at the knees. Okay, not so bad. At the loins, a little harder, but you could probably still get your way out of there. But when we dive deeper and allow the Lord to take us deeper, it requires total surrender, doesn't it? Lord, I'm yours. Take me where you will. So what are the results of this river? Let's look at verses 6 and 7. He said, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to the river, to the brink of the river. Now when I returned, behold, at the bank of the river were many trees on one side and the other. He describes these trees as flourishing trees, close to the river, close to the source of life. What are you going to get? A lot of water. What do trees need to survive? Water. Mary was talking before service. She's watering Pastor Daniel's tree because they just planted it. And if they don't, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die. It cost him a lot of money to get that tree put in because the county made him. And the last thing he wants is for that tree to die. So no pressure, Mary. (laughs) But what did you say, a half hour every day in the morning? That's a lot of water. I'm glad I don't have to pay his water bill. <laughs> but the trees that are close to the source of the river, the close to the river are what? They're close to the source of life, the river of life, and they flourish. Psalm 1, which we've talked many times about, says the righteous are planted by the rivers of living water. And what happens? They Their fruit fruit prospers. Their leaves don't wither. They bring forth fruit. What are we getting? Being close to the source of water? Fruitfulness. We're bringing forth fruit. 
that doesn't happen if we're ankle deep. A tree by ankle deep water, it's not going to get very much water, is it? No, it's going to get some from the soil and everything else. But flowing by the full shores of that rushing river of water, that's where the fruit comes from. That's where the life comes from. Verses 8 and 9. These waters issue out towards the east county country and go into the desert and go into the seas, which bring forth into the sea. The water shall be healed, and it shall come to pass that everything that lives, which moves wherever the rivers come, shall live. And there shall be a great multitude of fish because of these waters shall come hither. For they shall be healed, and everything shall live wherever the river goes. Anything that the river of life touches prospers. It has life. It brings life into dead things, even, and restores, quickens, builds up. Even the Jordan River, or even the river that ends up in the Dead Sea, at the first parts of the Dead Sea, there's life there. It restores. Wherever the living water flows, there'll be life. And we see this in Acts chapter 2, where the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens. What happens in the very next chapter? 3,000 people are saved. And the next chapter after that, 5,000 more. Life coming from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up and says, this is what we were, we've been studying in Joel for years. This is it. So what do you do? Repent and be baptized. Okay. 3,000 people, 5,000 people, more and more and more. It brings life. Swarms come in as a result of the life-giving power of the living waters. Verse 10, And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Engelaim, and they shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds, and fish of the great sea exceeding many. You don't have to be a theologian to understand this. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. What is fish? What is It's evangelism. It's souls, one for Christ, brought into the kingdom, gathered into the net. Wherever the Holy Spirit flows, souls will be saved, and fishermen on the shores will be gathering them in to the kingdom. The fish will be of many kinds, all sorts of fish. I shared a message a few weeks ago now. Are we properly equipped? All sorts of fish are going to come in from all different walks of life, from all different backgrounds. And we need to be ready and equipped to minister to them, to help them, which means we have to be in the river, in the source of living life, connected to God, listening and obeying him. That was a good catch, wasn't it? And I'm not even a bowler. <laughs> we have to be properly equipped to minister to all sorts of fish. But we don't end there. Verse 11, but the miry places thereof and the marishes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. This is the polluted areas. What, why? Because the river doesn't flow there. 
They're not plugged in to the river. They're not flowing with the river, following it wherever it goes. They're going to go off and do their own thing. And there's no water of life there. What is it, St. John's Marsh back in Michigan, this little marshy area? There's water there, but it's really stagnant. It's kind of gross. It always smells really bad. It catches on fire all the time because it's all, all of the muck and the, the miry clay and so forth. And the only fish you can catch there are catfish, which I don't really like very much. <laughs> but it's dead. Verse 12, by the river, upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that, shall grow the trees for meat, whose leaves shall not fade. Neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary. And the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. Abundance of fruit to those who are staying in the river. Who are staying in the river. Why? Because that water comes from the sanctuary, from the tabernacle, through the door, who is Christ. And that's where the life is. Wherever the river flows, many trees, and we know Christians are likened to trees. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow up like a cedar in Lebanon. That's us. We flourish. We bring forth fruit that doesn't die. Imagine. Fruit of all kinds, multiple multitudes of fruit. So takeaways for this little section, and then we'll close. Just as the river brings life and healing wherever it flows, the Holy Spirit can bring revival and restoration to stagnant and lifeless areas, which is what we need in our own hearts, in this earth, in this city, in our families. The river of life can restore And as we grow and progress, as we should grow and progress, so should our depth in the river, diving in deeper always and always. We don't want to stay there in the ankle-deep stuff. Right? We want to go on, which means we have to let go. Okay? So our purpose was to encourage us into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. That was the purpose, I hope. We did that. We encouraged us, right? So let's review just a couple takeaways. I want you to ask yourself a question, and then I've got some action you can take. Transformative things you can do. First of all, dive deeper. Embrace a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit. Going beyond shallow encounters. Ask yourself, as Ezekiel saw the river grow from ankle deep to over your head, examine where you are. Am I just happy and ankle deep? Am I happy and knee deep? Am I waist deep? Where am I? So the action you can take is dedicate some time and say, Lord, where am I? How can I progress deeper? What can I do? Assess. Say, Lord, David did this all the time, which is why he wrote, Search me, O God. Try my ways. See if there's anything in me. Ask yourself, how can I go deeper, Lord? What do I need to do? Takeaway number two, be fruitful. Strive to bear spiritual fruit and bless others in your walk with God. In order to bring forth fruit, we need the water. So say, Lord, question, where are the dry areas in my heart that are preventing fruit? 
where are the dry areas in my walk where I'm not plugged in to the river? And as he identifies areas, which he will, the action is to take action and say, yes, Lord, I will. Make a commitment to getting rid of those dry areas. Don't be satisfied with being off in the sand when you can be out. Takeaway number four, last takeaway. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't be satisfied. Don't settle for shallow experiences. God's river runs deep over our heads. can take us infinite places. Don't settle. Are you content? This is one of those rare times in Scripture where discontentment is good. I'm not content with where I am. I want to go deeper. So take action regularly. Practice letting go. Lord, I don't, I don't want control anymore. I want you to have control. I'll never forget Pastor Billy saying that. I don't, I don't have a time to pray. I hear from God all day. That is someone who's not content just staying put. And that is someone who doesn't want any control over his life. Lord, it's yours. Do with it as you will. Sorry, there was more, one more takeaway. Believe. The last one, believe. Ezekiel's river foreshadows a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It demonstrates a great impact of revival. It demonstrates a transformative power of the Holy Spirit in us. Do you believe? Do you believe that he can move afresh in our lives, in this city, in this community, in this state, in this nation, in this world? Do we believe? Cultivate action. Cultivate strong faith by praying for and expecting fresh move of God's power. We're doing it once a month here, but we can do it more than once a month. We can do it every day. Be active in our participation. All right? We don't want to stay on the banks. We don't want to stay there where we'll never experience the fullness of God in our lives. We don't want to stay in the ankle deep. We don't want to stay even at knee deep or waist deep. We want to be fully immersed. So I encourage you this morning, dive deeper. Dive deeper. When you're ready to fully surrender, man, that's going to be awesome. Think about all the wonderful things we can do when we have no control over our lives and just say, Lord, it's all yours. That's where we find the true power. That's where the true direction comes from because now we're just going wherever he takes us. Amen? Amen. Trust you were encouraged this morning. Dive deeper. Amen? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the wonderful vision you gave Ezekiel and the example and relevance you've given it for us. And we just ask that as we put our trust in you, you would give us guidance, you would give us grace that we can dive deeper, that we can not be content, that we can ask for more fruit and much fruit. And as you guide us and you lead us, let us be obedient to you and respond and take action, specific steps that we can do to stay in the flow of your river. And Lord, we say together, we believe you. 
We believe that you're going to work in our hearts. We believe that you're going to turn those sandy areas fruitful. We're going to turn those dry areas and have them be overwhelming with your waters of living life. We ask your blessing upon us as we go our way throughout the week. Let this message stay deep in our hearts. Let us rehearse it. And Lord, we say again, we believe you. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.